Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. And uh, we are coming to you a little later this month. I really apologize, but uh, we had a pr- really uh, originally intended for February to be our month of twos, but uh, some technical issues on my end uh, delayed our episodes a little bit, but we're going to press on with what we planned anyway. And this week we're doing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, uh, which I was super excited about doing. I know you were too, Craig. I was. <laughs> we, uh, I don't think you hadn't seen this before, right? No, I had, but only once in a long time ago. Oh and yeah. So I didn't, I didn't remember much about it except for that it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that it is, and I, um, I knew it was crazy. I hadn't seen it before, though. Um, it was something that, as a kid, I'd always wanted to see, and I never got around to. As you probably know, if you've been listening to us for a while, our goal for this month was really to do number twos that weren't just ordinary sequels, but things were a little off the beaten path that took the original and did, maybe did something crazy with it or went in a different direction. This sequel totally goes off the rails, I would say, especially compared to the original. It came out about 10 years later, actually. This one is 1986, and it was at that time that Toby Hooper was given the opportunity to do a sequel to this movie, although kind of been working on the idea for of doing a sequel for quite a while. It was back and forth with this writer, L.M. Kit Carson, who wrote this screenplay for this movie, the two of them just decided they needed to do something completely different with the second one, because the first one ended up being so iconic uh, and so unique and so shocking to people that they knew that it would be really hard to top that by trying to go in the same direction. And so they took a complete left turn and made a comedy out of it. Whereas the original, we've done that on this show before as well, you can go back and listen to that, um, is, was pretty shocking for its time. It has some dark comedy in it, of course, but it is really pretty brutal. And brutal in a sense that it doesn't, it's not super gory. That's one thing we talked about. But it's just the level of violence and the way that people are treated in that movie um, is just a bit shocking and uh, adds to the brutality. And a lot of the gross stuff that happens happens off screen. As opposed to this movie, where they just decided they were gonna they were gonna show it all, just kind of go balls out on the gore. They brought Tom Savini on board. He did some amazing uh, gore effects for this movie. This movie, I've got a lot of mixed feelings about, and so I'm really excited to talk <laughs> to talk about it today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, gosh, I, I I don't know much about the history. Like, I really couldn't find all that much about it, except for that Toby Hooper. Uh, his original concept for it was that it would be about an entire town of cannibals, um, and he uh, was going to call it Beyond the Valley of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> and um, I guess, you know, that's that's where they started, but after, you know, rewrites and rewrites and rewrites, this is the movie that uh, they ended up with. And I don't really have mixed feelings about it at all. It's just, it's... I don't know, like, it's kind of in keeping with the first movie in some ways, but mm. they just, like, they just crank the volume up to 11. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's, just, let's just go totally kind of crazy wacky with it. And as I was watching this, you know, I've seen Rob Zombie's movies, and I'm specifically referencing House of a Thousand Corpses and mm. The Devil's Rejects. Um, I've seen those movies, and I've heard that he was very much inspired by uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but... In watching this second one, I have to believe that he had to at least have been equally influenced by part two, um, mm. because this movie reminds me a lot of uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, um, with just like really interesting, over-the-top set pieces and visuals and just these wacky, wacky characters. And of course, Bill Mosley, who uh, plays oh. Chop Top in this movie. He's and so good. He is really good. <laughs> and then he went on to work with Rob Zombie a bunch of times. Whereas the first one felt very low budget, but in a good, gritty way. This one, you can obviously tell that it had a bigger budget. This one was made on a budget of like $4.7 million, which is, you know, a, a pretty good budget for a, a, a horror film. Oh, yeah. You can tell. I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's, it's so insane. Like, Dennis <laughs> Hopper 
Hopper is in it for God's sakes. Like, <laughs> and and Dennis Hopper is in this movie just chewing up and spitting out the scenery left and right. Like, mm. it's hilarious. He's he. Uh, I don't. I don't know. W- what are your thoughts? <laughs> you know, um, it's it's um it's interesting. Like, okay, so le- uh, you got to compare with the first one. So the first one, like I said, really pretty gritty, pretty gruesome in a sense that it's just so well done in its documentary kind of feel in it's not showing you on camera all of the bad stuff that's happening and really letting you fill in the blanks with your imagination and just sort of the shocking brutality of it i felt like there was um a kind of reality to it and i think that's what a lot of people latched onto is that when a guy's hit in the head with a sledgehammer he's dead like right. it doesn't take five hits for that to happen you know it happens once and and he's gone and then he's flopping around on the ground a little bit you know while he's dying i mean that is that is the kind of stuff we get in the first one compare it to this one you can't even take it seriously. And I don't think you're... <laughs> no. you're I mean, I've, obviously people are going to say, well, you're not supposed to take it seriously. But there's right. there's a point, you know? There's a point to which my mind just got a little disengaged while we were watching this movie. And <laughs> and I think not in a necessarily a good way, <laughs> you know? Now, this, this has a really troubled production anyway. There is a great... I don't know, Craig, if you've seen it, but there is a fantastic seri- uh, documentary, uh, a series of short docs that were packaged with the DVD version that you can find on YouTube. I think it's called It's All in the Family or something like that. Did you find any of that? No, or watch that? no I didn't look at it. It's great because, you know, when you watch this documentary, you it, they interview most of the original people. Toby Hooper isn't interviewed. Um, and I, this was done before he died because he died fairly recently. Um, yeah. But um, Kit Carson, the, the screenwriters, interviewed at length. The production designers interviewed. Um, Carolyn Williams, who plays the, the lead female in this. Bill Mosley's interviewed. Bill John on there quite a few people and what's really cool about it is that it seems like everybody just had a blast making this movie not that it was easy (laughs) and not that it wasn't kind of a grueling exercise but they everybody speaks very highly of their experience on the film and some of it because it was so stressful like their production designer talks about how quickly they had to throw these sets together and with such limited budget because the money kept getting taken away from them by their distributors that he said you know it was really stressful and I was like in this super hot giant warehouse for 36 hours and didn't see the sunlight and was you know we were scrounging from everything trying to put this together but he said there was just something really thrilling about that you know about that process of being able to do it and get it together the screenwriter Kit Carson writes the whole screenplay submits it to their distributors which is Canon Films which They've got a whole history, and we've talked a little bit about them before. And they said it's too too expensive. Uh, you need to trim it down. But they had to start production on it because they had a deadline. And so he literally had to rewrite the movie as they started shooting it. And they only had like five or six weeks to shoot it. So he's on the set day by day writing. And he's talking about like passing out in a typewriter. And people are pulling papers out of it like in in front of him to get the next shots of the script. He said it was just this manic, manic thing. But... They were ultimately very proud of what they were managed to put together with all this, just to sort of turn around and see the distributors mm. chop it up. And so that was that was sort of the the sad point to it. So it's like the movie that we're seeing, you get this other side to it where they're like, we really enjoyed this process. We really enjoyed working together. It was a great ensemble cast. Everybody was in good spirits. Um, we managed to sort of pull off the impossible. We felt like we had a really cool movie. And then our producers were idiots. And they said, oh, what's all this stuff? We want to just, people just want to see more blood. They want to see more gore. Right. They took it over, chopped it up. And they, there, nobody, even Toby Hooper, I looked at a couple interviews with him, is willing to say that they hated the final, the final product. They just said that the product that they went in there with and came out, you know, the first cut, they said was just so much better. <laughs> well, I, I I read that I read that you know, Canon kept kind of changing the budget on them depending on how the films that they were releasing were doing. So if they mm-hmm. released a film that was doing well, then they would throw a little bit more money at them. But then if another if they released another <laughs> film and it didn't do well, then they would take money away. I don't know exactly how this turned out because I know that there were different cuts. Like I know that the studio when they 
cut it. It was only like 82 minutes or something like that. Well, the the version that I watched, and I assume that you watched, is an hour 41. I also read that when they sent it to the MPAA, uh, the MPAA wanted to X-rate it, so yeah. uh, they just went with they just went with not rated um, instead. So, is even this hour and forty one version that we saw is that still a, a significant cut? You know, your guess is as good as mine. Um, it's certainly like I'm on the IMDb page right now, and it says one hundred one minutes is the original cut. So this has got to be kind of extended except for the fact that a lot of the deleted scenes that people talk about are not in this so it's not like they inserted a bunch of deleted scenes sure well and the deleted scenes i think are available on some of the releases and uh, i think you can find them on youtube also i i didn't watch any of them and part of the reason that i didn't is because at an hour 41 i have so many notes because so much happens Mm. like this this movie just it goes and goes and goes and like there's always something happening it's 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 quick pace there there really aren't very many lulls and even the things that you might consider lulls um are just so wacky like <laughs> like Dennis Hopper's trip to a chainsaw store like that should be that should be really boring you know somebody going to buy some chainsaws but instead it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my whole life <laughs> Now I have to I have to disagree. I felt like there was a lot of this movie that I just kind of like I was waiting for it to be over. And and maybe, you know, maybe if I'd seen the 89 minute cut it wouldn't have been quite so bad, but uh no, I I liked that scene. But there was just some of this just I felt like it needed a good editor. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and and to be fair, in my notes at, at one point I've got like Stretch, who's our main girl, played by uh, Caroline Williams. Um, there's one point where she's just being chased for what seems like ten minutes, and like she's just running down this big hall forever. I'm like, is this ever going to end? Yeah. And you know, about about two thirds, three quarters of the way through my notes, I have my God. There's still a half an hour left. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I wrote that at one hour in. Yeah, I was like <laughs> the same way. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It, it's it, it's it's really just a wacky movie, and and I I found myself pausing so many times to write lines down because the writing. I don't know if you would call it awful or genius like <laughs> like it it just straddles that line like it's it's either really bad or it's hilariously funny so many lines and and I'll quote some of them for you as we go along <laughs> uh, but I feel like we should get into the movie otherwise we're never going to yeah. get all the way through it let's do it there's an opening scroll as there is in the first movie and and a voiceover and and the opening scroll is really just a recap of the first movie uh, and then they at the very end Texas lawmen mounted a month long manhunt but could not locate the macabre farmhouse they could find no killers and no victims no facts no crime officially on the records the Texas chainsaw massacre never happened but during the last 13 years over and over again reports of bizarre grisly chainsaw mass murders have persisted all across the state of Texas the Texas chainsaw massacre has not stopped it haunts Texas and I also just thought that was funny like okay so did the Texas chainsaw people who there I don't remember if they had the same last name in the first one I think they did the Sawyers they're the the family mm-hmm. that like did, did they did they hide the house like, <laughs> 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 what did they do with their How gas could station they not find it yeah <laughs> It's it's all a bit of a stretch, yeah. But whatever, okay, it's fine. Nice setup, nice callback to the first movie. It cuts to, God, you know, I, I say this all the time, but it happens a lot in horror movies. Then we just get a couple, a couple of assholes driving along in a car. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Buzz and Rick, and apparently they're on their way to some big party. I guess Ugh. this is... Uh, a big football weekend in Dallas, which apparently this weekend is a real thing. Like 
the rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma. I don't follow yeah. sports, but apparently it's a real thing. And anyway, they're on their way to this, you know, big game and these big parties or whatever. One of them is like shooting a gun, like a handgun <laughs> out of the car at all, at, at everything that they drive by mailboxes, signs for attractions, whatever. Yeah. And uh, at one point, they see a, an oncoming truck, and they're like, let's play chicken, and, and they run the truck off the road. Um, meanwhile, they're calling into this radio station where Stretch, our main girl, is the uh, – it's not her real name. It's her DJ name, but she is the host of uh, Call-In a request line show um, and they're calling her and harassing her and making really terrible jokes but eventually you know this goes on for a while uh, and then it's nighttime and they end up on a bridge and as they're crossing the bridge headlights come on from the opposite direction and it's that truck the same truck that they ran off the road and the truck starts riding alongside them going in reverse and in the bed of the truck stands up <laughs> a, a corpse this, and it dances for them there's a lot of dancing in this movie there is actually very good point the sawyers have some groove they do uh, this and, movie could uh, be like this how the sawyers got their groove back Right, it could be Chainsaw 2, Electric Boogaloo, like, you know, it's awesome. And um, the corpse ends up being, I don't know that they necessarily ever say this outright, I saw it in the trivia, but it's it's the hitchhiker from the first movie. They've, they've saved his body, um, and it's dancing around, and it turns out that it's really Leatherface, like, holding up this corpse in front of him, um, but he starts, like, sawing up the car as they're racing down this bridge. Uh, and he cuts the driver's the top of the driver's head off, and and the car crashes, uh, and that's kind of the setup then for what kind of turns into a cop procedural. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just so crazy. Like it's oh. it's just the wackiest movie, and that's when uh, uh, Dennis Hopper shows up. And God, what are you gonna say? I mean. <laughs> Dennis Hopper has said in interviews that this is the worst movie that he's ever been in. He's also said that about Super Mario Brothers, and I would agree with him more on the Super Mario Super Brothers Mario, front. Yeah. But, uh, oh my God. He, you know, Dennis Hopper, I think he must legit in real life be crazy because <laughs> he just plays it so well that you, I can only imagine that he must be a really intense person. But,. His performance in this movie is something, I tell you what. It is. And it's funny because about this point where he came in, I just wrote in my notes that they're laying the Texas on pretty thick in this movie. Oh, yeah. I I lived in Texas for a good six, uh, seven years, and um, I still have family in Texas. I'm pretty familiar with Texas, but, I mean, from the beginning when these guys are, like, shooting their revolvers out the window, you know, driving down the street, this whole um, rivalry of Oklahoma and whatever, and then uh, Dennis Hopper comes in, he's got a cowboy hat on and this thick Texas accent and one of those boys so wild sawed his own head off going 90 mile per hour <laughs> hell hell's exactly what they raised this other guy comes up uh, while he's investigating the crash, and he must be um, the local police or the local sheriff or something. Because you think Dennis Hopper is the sheriff at first. It turns out he's just a guy who's interested. And he comes up, and he's got this awful thick Texas accent. And as he sends uh, Dennis Hopper away, telling him uh, basically, oh, your obsession with this chainsaw thing is gone, even though you're... I thought he said brother. I think I thought he said like your brother and his kids or something like. It was, yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, I it's it's kind of a tenuous thing, but they try to get us to understand that lefty uh, Dennis Hopper has a personal vendetta with these chainsaw killers. Like they've killed somebody in his past, and so he's obsessed with them. Mm -hmm. And people are well aware of this. His name is Lieutenant Enright, and I'm thinking that Enright. <laughs> <laughs> that and right. And as he sends him away, uh, he he even looks after him and, and says, "Remember the Alamo cowboy." And I'm thinking, "Geez, come on, <laughs> like really?" <laughs> and then, but later there's a ch there's a chili cook off. So I mean, I think they pretty much squeezed in about all the Texas they could. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, the chili cook-off is great. Like, somehow... I don't even remember what it is. I, I guess that Lefty somehow gets it in the papers that he's looking for anybody who can help him with this investigation. So Stretch comes to him at his hotel and is like, I've got this tape, because I should have mentioned that, because this is a request line or whatever, she audio records all the requests. So she's got the whole road murder on audio cassette she's like i've got this tape it's evidence i want to help you and he's like nah little lady i don't need your help and like <laughs> kicks her out it's like so it, dumb. It, it doesn't no, it, make any it doesn't make any sense he put the ad in the paper so that he could get evidence and she yeah. shows up with evidence and he turns her away it's so stupid yeah he's like no nah, never mind <laughs> <laughs> But fortunately, in that same hotel, there's a uh, chili oh, cook-off yeah. going same on. Same hotel. Which she's also covering. <laughs> <laughs> because she's the request line lady, so why wouldn't she cover hey, a chili a small market radio station. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. And then they're like, the winner is Drayton Sawyer. And Drayton Sawyer comes marching up to accept his award. And this is the only guy that reprises his role from the first movie. This is uh, Jim Seedow, uh, who played Drayton Sawyer, the cook, uh, the barbecue cook in the first movie. And he's there. And it's a, such a goofy scene. They're like, this year, Drayton, you've got to tell the secret of that fabulously tasty chili. <laughs> no secret. It's the meat. Uh, don't skimp on the meat. Uh, I, I got a real good eye for prime meat. Mm. Runs in the family. <laughs> and then, like, the woman host is eating the chili, and she pulls something out of her mouth. Was it a tooth? Was it a know, human it was a tooth? tooth or a fingernail or something? Yeah. And he's like, ah. Oh, he grabs it out of her hand. He's like, ah, oh, that's one of those darn hard peppercorns. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so silly. Then, uh, lefty in right goes to buy chainsaws. And it's just one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. He walks into this chainsaw store, you know, your local yeah. chainsaw cut store. Right, cut right chainsaws. And, and he pulls out, he pulls out like $1,000 in $100 bills and just like lays them down on a stump and puts his sunglasses down. And then he starts like trying out the chainsaws, but he like picks them up and he's like, okay, could I samurai fight with this? <laughs> like, <laughs> and he starts waving them around, like hacking them. He picks up one great big one and he swings it around like he's fighting with it. He's like, okay, that's pretty good. And then he picks up two smaller ones and he's got one in each hand and he's like, using them like boxing gloves and like <laughs> slashing them all around. The store owner is just looking at him crazy. like he's crazy. So then he just starts to walk out like, I'm sure that $1,000 will will cover this. <laughs> and the store guy's like, you're not going to leave without trying them out first, are you? He points him to this log at the front and this guy, so Dennis Hopper's, we're just going to call him Dennis Hopper. We don't need to call him Lefty, do we? Yeah, Dennis right. Hopper's got this long, <laughs> right. it's, it's a super long chainsaw, one of them. He get two short ones and one really long one. And he starts, like you said, hacking, like, like you don't use a chainsaw. <laughs> Yeah, like it's an axe. Like he's like, and he's hacking at this, at this, at this log, and it looks so awkward. And it's supposed to look cool, but it just looks terrible. And in the meantime, the store owner's giddy with delight watching him do this. <laughs> oh my aching banana! <laughs> what does that even mean? This this store is like out in the middle of nowhere. This cut right chainsaws, and as Dennis Hopper pulls in, there's a marching band that goes by. I just thought that was so dumb. Yeah, just like on the dirt road behind them. Like, where From are you nowhere? going? Like, are you on your way to a parade? Like, what's <laughs> happening? It's a bit of a disconnect there. <laughs> Maybe they're just practicing. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. <sighs> well, then Enright changes his mind. Apparently, Dennis Hopper changes his mind and goes. Uh, to stretch and says, you know what? I changed my mind. Go ahead and play your tape on the radio. <laughs> so yeah. she does. Then we see the cook, Drayton, dr driving his like food truck. Like he was way ahead of his time. You know, he's got this awesome barbecue yeah. food truck. Somebody calls him on his console car phone <laughs> and you, you don't hear both sides of the conversation you only hear his sides he's like you, you you've done it again ah, you cool shit ah, you fucker you'll be the death of me yet ah. <laughs> he is 
He's so good in this movie. He's, he's hilarious. So hilarious. He is the the charm of this whole film rests on his shoulders. Oh, I agree 100%. I love every minute he's on the screen and everything that comes out of his mouth is so funny. It it's It is. I just got to think that some of it had to be ad-libbed because he just seems to nail the delivery and all these silly little things that he says. It's so laced with profanity, but it's hilarious profanity. Well, and it's it's just nice to see him because he's so recognizable from the first movie and he's the only person that reprises his role. Leatherface uh, is played by a new actor. It was uh, Kane Hodder. It was Kane Hodder in the first movie. And there are dueling stories about this. Kane Hodder says that they offered for him to reprise the role, but they were only willing to pay him scale, and, and he turned it down. Um, the filmmakers say that they offered him the role, but he waffled on it, and so they rescinded their offer. But either way, it's a new guy. Uh, Bill Johnson plays Leatherface in this movie. And the other member of the Sawyer family, who is Chop Top, played by Bill Mosley, he is supposed to be the twin brother of the hitchhiker from the first movie. Mm-hmm. And, he look, and, and he looks like he could be. He I'm, does. Like, <laughs> he really he, uh, does. He's really reminiscent of uh, that guy. So, it, you know, there's there's callbacks to the first movie, but it, it's just really nice to see Jim Seedow return to his role. And, and he looks, I mean, what, this is 10, 12 years later, something like that? He looks significantly older, um, but it's, it's just nice to see him back. So Stretch uh, plays the tape, and she's got a technician, a radio technician. His name is L.G., she plays the tape, and it's the end of the night. It's funny because obviously this is the '80s, and so radio stations went off the air, you know, mm-hmm. and they play the Star Spangled Banner at midnight. And LG leaves, and she's there by herself. She hears a noise, so she goes. She leaves the broadcast room, and she goes like out into the lobby. And there's this weird, super weird guy sitting there, um, and it, it ends up being Chop Top Sawyer, Bill Mosley. He's just he's super gross. Like he's he's Ugh. obviously wearing he's wearing prosthetic teeth, like these gross nasty teeth and he's got these big sunglasses on. He's wearing what is very obviously a wig. You know, he's disheveled and and just menacing. Like and Bill Mosley does such a good job. He's got like this nervous energy. Yeah. And he's giggling all the time and laughing all the time and he's super weird. And plus Oh, God, this is in such bad taste. I can't believe I'm going to say this. But he's got an abortion court ha- coat hanger like mm-hmm. that he keeps sticking it up under his wig and scratching it. And not only that, but he's heating it with a lighter. big lighter before he puts it up under his wig and is scratching. And you're like, what's going on? And then every once in a while, like he'll scratch and then he'll pick something off the tip and eat it. Like It's just so disgusting. Oh, it is gross. Yeah, he's like, you're my favorite DJ. I just wanted to meet you. Maybe you'll play a song for me. Maybe you could play that tape you just played a little while ago. Maybe you can give me a copy and you can sign it. And It's a very tense scene, and she's obviously just you know trying to get rid of him. Um, but she's very scared and nervous, as you would be, because this guy's clearly nuts. And he's like, well, I want a tour of the radio station. And she's like, okay, well, here's a desk. Here's a pen. (laughs) Here's a stapler. He's like, I'll give you a tour to the exit sign. Here's a desk. Here's a pen. Here's a stapler. Here's a piece of paper. And there's the exit sign. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What's kind of like, you know, and it's creepy and it's gross, but there's this other element, too, where it's kind of poorly filmed in that, like we talked about in a few other films, all she does is kind of stand there, you know? She doesn't really make moves to leave. She doesn't really... She lets. She allows him to get close to her. That part of it kind of bothered me. It is what it is, right? She's in a small I, room I, with this guy. Right, exactly. I mean, I get what you're saying, and I'm not going to say that Caroline Williams is an amazing actress, but I, I thought that in this part she did a good job of, you know, what do you do? You know, you're alone in this small, confined space with this crazy guy, you know, her... Her male friend is gone. I don't think that she was expecting him to come back. He does eventually come back. She's just trying to get rid of him uh, and and trying to be as calm as she can to get rid of him. She shows him to the door, and they have this tense exchange. Good night. Oh, oh, good night. (laughs) Good night. Good night. (laughs) 
I have to say this part actually got me. Oh yeah. Um, she was she's standing in front of this doorway. It's it, there's. I didn't see a door. It's just an open doorway into this dark room. Chop Top is like, well, what's in there? And she's like, that's the record vault. Out of the darkness comes Leatherface with the chainsaw. Uh, And it scared me. It did. It scared me, too. It was a serious jump scare and very effective. I didn't see it coming. No. And and just knowing that he was there lurking in the shadows that whole time is kind of spooky. Yeah. Leatherface chases her in the radio station, and for some reason they have one room that has one of those giant meat locker doors like the Sawyers had in their house in the first movie that, you know, it's a big metal door that, like, slides shut, and she's able to shut herself in there for a while. Yeah, and so he's he's kind of hacking away at the door with his for quite a while with his chainsaw, but of course he can't get through the metal. I've got to say this about the radio station. I say this in... A future episode we're going to put up, Night of the Comet, about how radio stations in in movies tend to be shown as these really awesome places, like very uh, nicely decorated and things like that. I wrote in my notes for the first time I've ever seen in a film a radio station look actually like radio stations look. Yeah, yeah. I I thought the same thing with the carpet on the wall. Yeah, like a total (laughs) dump. And it's just like things everywhere and stuff stashed and and stuff that's been on the wall since, you know, 30 years ago. And just they, they did an awesome job. And I thought they surely that they just shot this in a radio station. And it wasn't until Leatherface started hacking up the place that I realized, oh my word, they actually put a set together for this. That is yeah. that is unbelievable. But yeah, the meat locker door thing makes no sense, but it does make for a bit of comedy when she's in her room and you're thinking, well, at least she's safe. And then he just bursts through a wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the Kool-Aid man. He's just like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Comes at her. And at some point, LG, the technician, comes back. He gets killed. I forgot to mention that when Leatherface jumps out, like he swings the chainsaw and he doesn't hit the girl at all. Instead, he hits Chop Top in the head. (laughs) But that's when we find out that Chop Top has this big metal plate on his head and he was wearing a wig. And I guess the backstory is that during the events of the first movie was serving in Vietnam and he was injured. Um, He was shot by the Viet Cong. And so he got an honorable discharge, and he got some money out of that settlement, and that's how they're funding this restaurant business. Mm. Um, and that's that's why he's back now. But it's just hilarious that Leatherface bursts out and just swings his chainsaw, and it immediately hits the very top of his head. Like, it's just <laughs> convenient. But it turns out he has a metal plate in his head. Right, right. Well, not like not just in his head, but like it's visible. And that's why he was using that that coat hanger. It's like he's scratching around the... I would imagine, I can only imagine, that if you did have to get a metal plate on your skull like that, that they would graft your skin over it. So my only interpretation is that he is just scratched away at this so that the chrome is exposed and like he's eating the scabs from around. It's so gross. Oh. And and he's like, he's playing it He's playing it for comedy, and it is really funny, but in the context of, you know, all the violence, it's it's really menacing. Like, it's scary. Like, it he seems like a, a psycho. Like, he's a psychopath, and as as crazy as his antics are, it's it's pretty scary. I honestly, I feel like he's the scariest part of this whole movie, I think, quite honestly. He's way scarier than Leatherface, just because Leatherface... yes. Well, we'll talk about it later, but Leatherface seems to have some depth to his character in this movie, whereas just Chop Top just seems insane, you know, and unpredictable. Yeah, and that's why I was trying to rush past, okay, so LG comes back and he gets murdered, and it's it's, it's ridiculous, like, Chop Top is hitting him in the head with a hammer, he must hit him 50 or 60 times, and LG is just, like, he just continues to flop around like he wouldn't be dead, like, come on, you know, he would be, he would have been dead after the third hit, at least, but anyway, they quote-unquote kill him, he wakes up later, completely inexplicably. So then Leatherface breaks through the wall where Stretch is, like the Kool-Aid man. And then there's this really weird scene. And I don't know how I feel about this because I really feel like 
I've seen all the movies. I don't remember part three at all. Uh, part four, which was Next Generation. I remember Matthew McConaughey and Ray... Renee Zellweger. I remember them, and I remember their performances, but I don't remember the story that much. But I really feel like they kind of neuter Leatherface in this movie. And maybe it was an attempt to give him more humanity, but the Leatherface from part one was just this juggernaut killing machine. Like, that's just... Mm -hmm. That that was what he was. And in this movie, you know, he, he breaks in, and like, he's swinging his chainsaw around. I have to say that my absolute without question favorite part of this movie is <laughs> I know what you're going to say cha- it's the chainsaw shimmy yeah is that <laughs> <laughs> every right. time every time he breaks into a room he holds his chainsaw up above his head and does a little shimmy dance <laughs> It's so funny. It really is. Oh my god. I had to like through as I was talking about this with my partner last night, like through my laughter I had to get up and demonstrate the chainsaw shimmy. Like I'm like I'm like, no shit. Every time he does this, I'm like shaking my ass. Oh. And then there's the point, I think it's after the scene with the girl that we're about to talk about, but I think he starts shimmying again and starts cutting up more of the place. And before he leaves the room, he points himself directly at the camera and just does these pelvic thrusts with his yeah. chainsaw toward yeah. the camera like three or four times, like Ace Ventura, you know, before yeah. he leaves the room. it's It gets pretty ridiculous. It's clearly supposed to be innuendo, like the chainsaw is clearly serving as a phallus in this whole scene. And oh, it's- for Sure. It's so weird. He comes in and he's like tearing up some stuff and she's screaming and freaking out and she gets backed up against a wall with a cooler between her legs. And like, what? Why is there a cooler filled with <laughs> what ice? Is happening? Right, filled with ice and soda pop and beer and whatever. <laughs> and he takes the chainsaw and like starts, he just puts it in the cooler. Like, he I don't really. plunges it in there, yeah. So liquid is just spewing all over her face, and she's screaming. And then she's like, no, no. (laughs) I don't even – he stops, and there's this whole exchange where she's like, are you good? (laughs) How good are you? Right, how good are you? (laughs) It's, It's like she's trying to seduce him. And so then he takes the chainsaw and runs it all, and this is very long, slow sequence, runs it all the way up her leg and all the way up her thigh and like is like nuzzling it at her vagina. And she's like, oh, so you're really good. Like... She's apparently also an amateur psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, she seduces him enough into thinking that, like, she's his girlfriend or something. So he doesn't kill her. And and he goes out. And uh, Chop Top is like, did you take care of her? And he nods. Leatherface never talks, but he does communicate through through nods and gestures and things. <laughs> shimmies. <laughs> and shimmies. And uh, so so they leave. And then, okay, so up until now, all of this has been like, okay, you know, like, it's different than the first movie, but, you know, it's kind of a logical progression. And then this is where I just kind of started to get mad because mm. she runs out after them and she's like, damn it, Lefty, where are you? You're late. Like, she'd been waiting for Lefty to, like, show up and save the day, Dennis Hopper to save the day or whatever, and he hasn't gone there. And she's like, they can't get away. They can't get away. And she starts following them. And I'm like, you are the biggest fucking idiot I've ever met in my <laughs> life. Like, call the police. Yeah. Like, they're driving a blue pickup truck with a huge American flag painted on the gate of the like come on like this wouldn't be hard to find well and then she follows them to this abandoned amusement park texas battleland and again also not hard to find i'm pretty sure you could search through the woods with your police high and low and you would find this as opposed to the cabin (laughs) from the first movie it's um it's big and it's big fake mountains or whatnot and they drive this car in and and through, and so she stops her truck and gets out, looks left and right from behind a tree, and walks in after them. It's so dumb. 
It's so dumb. Mm -hmm. Then there's another car that shows up, and so she starts running from it. And it turns out that it's Dennis Hopper, who comes out and basically admits, yeah, I did use you as bait. (laughs) Just says that to her face. And they don't have much more of an exchange before the ground opens up beneath her and yeah, there's a and trap she door. falls in. She falls into a pit of hell. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's illuminated from underneath, which she hadn't noticed before. Oh my god, it's just so silly. Like she literally falls into this pit. Like what is happening? Yeah. And then he tries. Dennis Hopper's like, "I'll help you," and so he grabs something to help her. And it's a human arm. Like <laughs> reaches it out. And he's trying to pull her out. And then, oh, oh, come on, wait, hold on. I wrote this down because it was too good. When he can't get her out, um, she, okay, so she falls into the hell pit, and then he tries to pull her out, and then she falls down a shaft, down a slide, into a pile of human bones, through another floor, <laughs> into like some kind of dungeon like she falls like like three stories into this huge subterranean amusement park that this family has apparently decided to call their residence and that they have decorated like it's got to be i mean it's it's enormous and like the entire place is all lit up and like you know these festival lights all around and and they've decorated it with corpses all around like it's, it's crazy awesome and it is it's an amazing set piece it's huge it's a great set piece but it's so silly and this is the point where you're like you know what good for you for just going for it <laughs> like if if you're going to go balls to the wall just go for it you should see some of the interviews with the set production designers cuz they talk about this quite a bit about how they were able to throw this together and what what they used and they were like literally scrounging for garbage they got these giant tubes and you know they're putting them together they went to bone yards and got bones they said to just truckloads of bones and then truckloads of lights and lamps and things to to stick in there because they the the script called for like you mentioned earlier this long tunnel that she ends up running down and the production designer is like how in the world do i like this thing it was like quarter of a mile this tunnel is i believe it because it took her half an hour to run down. it took her forever <laughs> right but and he was like but i got this idea like well maybe they're just pack rats and so we're just going to get all of the freaking lamps in available in all of the Texas pawn shops and junkyards and whatever. And they literally went out, got huge truckloads of these things, strewn them out there throughout the entire set and rewired them all for lights. And that's how they lit the set, you know, for some of these, especially for some of these difficult parts that would have been a possible light otherwise. It's so ambitious. Um, it doesn't make any sense, but it is so ambitious. And it doesn't make sense because, I mean, think about it. It kind of changes the character of these people anyway. I mean, they were yeah. – part of the charm of the first movie a little bit was the fact that they were these sort of backwoods hillbillies without any money. And and they just wanted to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And now you've got – they've got this giant underground palace and they're suddenly pack rats and they apparently have all this money and this business they're running and stuff. And, and it's – it lends a bit of a different tone to it. You know, and I think it's supposed to be funny. Maybe he's trying to make some commentary. They they constantly refer to this as a satire, but it's really hard to see what they're satirizing at, at any one given time because it's mm-hmm. just a mishmash, a blender worth of of things in this film. <laughs> you know, yeah. But it's cool to look at. It is. It's really fun to look at, and this is the part especially where it really made me think of House of a Thousand Corpses, which I haven't seen in a long time, but I know at some point the heroine from that movie falls into a subterranean lair of course in that movie it's much darker and more grotesque but then a whole bunch of stuff like again we're probably only about halfway through the movie so a whole bunch of stuff happens (laughs) down here um but it's really just a lot of okay it's a lot of dennis hopper running around by himself with his chainsaw like trying to tear this stuff down and i can only imagine you know, that they probably had Dennis Hopper for a week, and they're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we've got to get all your stuff filmed. So you're just going to run around this set and 
tear stuff down for a while, and that's going to be you in the last half hour. It's kind of dumb, too, because he's cutting these supports. Supposedly, he's trying to, trying to tear the place down. Every time he cuts a support, like nothing, ha- a little dirt falls on him, and that's it. Thinking, these supports that he's cutting can't be holding up much because they're doing absolutely nothing to the building. Yeah. And he's apparently, you know, like religious. I don't even know. Oh, Lord. Help me beat this stranger that walks beside me and takes away my strength. Lord, you show me the end. Show me what I fear so I don't fear it no more. It's the devil's playground. Like, we got the screaming. fires of God here. <laughs> yeah. It's the devil's playground. Like, oh my God, it's He's so funny. It up, hamming it up is the best way to put it. Yeah. Oh God, and it's hilarious. Um, Stretch wakes up in what I assume is the Sawyer's meat locker. It's like the smokehouse, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. She she hides there while Leatherface like flays LG, her friend, her technician. <laughs> there were these hooks sitting right next to her, and I'm like, oh, I I was just waiting for her to kick those over. Like, go ahead and kick them <laughs> over, honey, because I know you're going to. And uh, she finally did, and then Leatherface comes over, and they have another romantic moment <laughs> um, where eventually he takes the face that he's just peeled off of LG and he puts it on her and he puts LG's hat on her and then they dance. They dance. <laughs> and then he ties her up. <laughs> and then he t- and then he ties her up because they hear I guess they hear some things going on. It you know, Dennis Hopper tearing things down or whatever. And this is where I wrote in my notes, Oh my god, I can't believe we're only one hour into this Me too. hour and forty minutes of the movie. And then what happens? LG sits up. He's been hit in the head with the hammer about 40 times. Uh, he's been flayed, and there he is. He's, he's alive and able to stand and talk and basically... And spit. Be, be, yeah. <laughs> hey, they're putting all the Texas in here, I'm telling you. <laughs> and, and this is, again, like I said earlier, I just kind of, at some point, I really kind of turned my brain off, and this is it. I'm like, okay, if LG is still alive, then what's what's really what are the stakes in this movie? I know. And and he he sits up and he's like got no face. And I have to say that the makeup Tom Savini did a great job. The, oh, the yeah. makeup and, and the gore effects are fantastic. Um but he he's got no face and he's flayed. He's like, Don't be scared, darling. And then he like <laughs> looks at himself, he's like, I guess I'm falling apart on you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and then he he cuts he cuts her free and then he dies so she puts his face and his hat back on him and she's like lg i love you <laughs> but it's played like she's confessing her her long secret love for him you know right it's, it's really dumb Really dumb. And then she runs around. Like, it's this great big, huge, enormous lair. And she decides that she's going to dart around in plain sight of everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my god, It gosh. doesn't make any sense. Uh, Leatherface chases her through a tunnel for five minutes. The cave in, a cave-in stops them. And that's Dennis Hopper. Leatherface does the shimmy a little bit. He has her cornered. And then they do this, uh, this deal where she's play psychologist on it. Okay, what? Are you pissed off? What about me? Listen, this is not going to work out. <laughs> I'm trying to be open with you. It's nobody's fault. I just can't do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's running. She's running and screaming, and then she, when she's blocked, she just turns around and says, All right, let's talk about it. What? Are you pissed off? <laughs> and... And I know that this is supposed to be funny, you know? I know this is supposed to be part of the satire that's put into the script, but I just think the way that the whole thing plays out, it just comes across as really stupid. It wasn't skillful satire, I don't think. No. It's really clumsy. If it's... Right. If it's satire, I don't know what they're satirizing, but I don't know. I guess I was just on board. I was just on board for the silliness, and I was laughing. Like, at those lines, they're so stupid. I was laughing, and it was fun laughing. Like, I think they were in on it. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. They they knew how stupid it was. 
Well, and I think there's some stuff missing here, too, because the people involved, if you watch these interviews, they talk about how the original movie was written, it was all about family. It was about this family. Um, It was about Dennis Hopper losing Franklin, which was his, I thought it was his brother, but I guess it's his nephew. And then this was cut out of the final cut, but it was a part of the script and a part of what they shot. Stretch was supposed to be Dennis Hopper's illegitimate daughter. Yep. So according to the the makers of the movie, they had a more powerful message here and a very strong thematic uh, element to the whole movie that basically underpinned the film, they said, was this whole commentary on family and what is it like to be family and all that. And I could see, I guess maybe these are just the little bits of it, you know, that we're getting. Yeah. That because they don't really have a base anymore to go on because of the editing or whatever, that it, it just comes off as really dumb and really out of left field. Yeah. Yeah, and I it is. I mean, it is really dumb. I still had fun with it. Yeah. Um, but it but it is it is <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> and then so then uh, the cook and Chop Top show up while she's trying to talk Leatherface down or whatever. They're like, "Oh, Bubba's got a girlfriend. Bubba's got a girlfriend." And the cook is like, "Ah, oh, well, you discovered sex. I wish you would have just come and talked to me about it." And he's like, "You got, you got one choice, boy: sex or the saw. And the saw is family," <laughs> <laughs> which is a great line. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they used the saw as family as the tagline for the third movie. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Chop Top knocks her out, and then we have the dinner scene, which, aside from the difference that this has an amazing, huge set piece, is exactly the same as the dinner scene. It really is. There's, like, no difference at all, down to her ending up um, with her head in a pan and Grandpa being wheeled in again, except this time Grandpa has so much better makeup. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again, he's attempting to throw the... uh, hammer at her and completely missing every time until he hits her like once or twice and once again she should be dead but she's not right but once she's unconscious then lefty shows up singing hymns boys you never should have been doing this who sent you those sissies over delmar catering that chicken shit burrito man butts i don't care who sent you I'm the Lord of the Harvest. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that means. And then it's just, it becomes Errol Flynn, Robin Hood, is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With chainsaws. With his really long, tall chainsaw. And once again, shows he has no idea how to use a chainsaw. Uh, And he and Leatherface go into this, basically this fencing duel, up to the point where they even leap on top of the table and they're fencing on top of the table. It's it's funny. It's it's actually really Mm -hmm. funny. That that part, I thought, was was pretty brilliant. Uh, Even though you can tell, like, the saws aren't even going. Like, you could hear the sounds of it, but you could see those chains aren't moving. That's kind of disappointing. Drayton is underneath the table at this point. He just basically decides to cheerfully give up. Oh, well, I guess I always needed to lay it down at one point. So he he (laughs) digs into that corpse that they've had kicking around from the very beginning and um, pulls out his backup plan, which is a grenade. He pulls the pin out, squeezes it, and drops it just at the, the point where... I think uh, Lefty gets it over on Leatherface. He's actually stabs him through with the chainsaw. And that is a cool bit. It, it is, but it's so stupid because, like, he totally impales him with it. It goes entirely through his torso. So it's, it's you know, in one end, sticking out the other. And Leatherface is still... Just flopping around. Fighting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he's still swinging the chainsaw around. It makes no sense. No. Well, and so, and so that blows up. But in the meanwhile, Chop Top is chasing Stretch, and they're they're going up this big ladder. You kind of see the, the dust from the explosion come up behind them, but they're getting outside. And, and they're fighting on the ladder, which is kind of a fun fight scene. And, of course, Chop Top's crazy, so he's just laughing. And his weapon that he has at this point is a scalpel i don't know where he got that but he is just slicing away at her and again it's just like him hitting her with the with the hammer every slice should be making it's it's just like he's slapping it against her or something i mean it's having no effect well i mean you see it you see the blood and stuff but it's like she's almost entirely unfazed like Mm -hmm. i would have been done but whatever and it's hilarious they're like climbing up this huge ladder like to the top of a mountain at, at this amusement park and they get up there 
and there's a shrine to apparently Grandma Sawyer, who is another one of these living corpses. Why these corpses... Like, they said at one point that Grandpa was like 137 years old and still kicking. Why these people turn into living corpses, I have no idea. But the grandma corpse mostly just sits there, but she does move around. Stretch uh, grabs the chainsaw in grandma's lap and turns around and takes a chop top out with it. And what I thought was clever was that she kind of takes a swipe at him and, and connects with him, but then he falls off the mountain, like down into a shaft. And I'm like, Oh, they want to bring him back for another sequel. (laughs) But, But that shot was the, had to be the coolest stunt in the entire film. Like, that guy, I had to rewind it and watch it two or three times. That guy rolls down the mountain. It's a guy, just like aimlessly, and and hits something, kind of flops over, rolls down a little further, and manages to make it in this tube. It had to be super dangerous, that stunt. I, I was so impressed with that stunt. Yeah, it was believe- cool. And, well, I, I was impressed by the stunt, too. It looked pretty cool, but I also, yeah, I just thought... I appreciate you for setting up another sequel. <laughs> Good job. Um, but then uh, Stretch, like the camera is close up on her and then it pulls out into this big wide shot of her at the top of this mountain with the chainsaw. And then she does the chainsaw shimmy like she's king of the mountain. <laughs> it's yeah. really hilarious. It's very like Ash Williams, Evil Dead. Well, it's kind of a callback to the first film, too, where, you know, it ends on Leatherface kind of doing the chainsaw yeah. shimmy in the middle of the road. Except his was a little more aimless, and hers is more triumphant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's... Oh. I have to say, at the end of the day, I appreciate this movie for its ambition and for just, you know, just going ahead and just just push it right over the top. Just just <laughs> go ahead and do it. Uh, and and I, I kind of like it. And it's 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 long. It, it's too long. Yeah. Um. They they could have trimmed probably a good fifteen twenty minutes. Nonetheless, I, I I thought it was fun. I had fun watching it. I don't know that I would necessarily sit down and put it in and watch it from start to finish again. But if I you know, was flipping through the channels and it was on. I'd I'd take another look at it. it. It's it's a fun movie to watch, and I'm glad we did it. I've been looking forward to this one for a while because, like I said, I had seen it that one time and I remembered it being crazy, but I haven't seen it since then, probably ten years or more. And it was fun to revisit. I, I have to say, I don't I don't feel like this is a good movie. I don't think I would rewatch it. I thought it was a bit of a slog. Um, I did find it. It had its moments. It had its moments that. Thankfully, would come at just about the time when I when I was you know checking my watch, that would jump out and 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 charm me. But overall, as a one unit of of art, one piece of art, I just think it, I think it has so many problems. And I want to say that hopefully it's due to the mess that the studio apparently made it after the director's you know initial vision because i don't think it really reflects well on toby hooper as a director i have to kind of wonder after watching a movie like this if he was just a bit of a a one-hit wonder because nothing he did after that was too super successful and we even learned that poltergeist you know was mostly directed by by steven spielberg Spielberg. and so i'm really kind of curious to to revisit some of his later films to see because I just I don't think the direction is that good here. The, what does work about it is the ensemble. The acting mm-hmm. is the acting is really good. The special effects are fantastic for especially for their time. The set design is incredible for any time. Mm-hmm. They, nobody would build a set like that anymore. You know they wouldn't. It would all mm-hmm. be CGI. And the ideas there are interesting. But when you put them all together, the movie is just one big mess. And I didn't find it terribly fun to watch. I thought they were fun moments. Other than that, I, I kind of I would I would have to give a thumbs down to it myself. Well. To be fair, Toby Hooper didn't intend to direct this movie. That was never his intention. Um, he wanted to produce it and have somebody else direct, but they couldn't find anybody else to do it. <laughs> and so he just stepped in and said, fine, I'll do it. And I think that you have to go into this movie looking at it as a comedy. And I'm surprised. You know, it did pretty well. And I, I guess that has to be a result of um, the success of the first movie. But it grossed about $8 million, which isn't great, but, you know, they made money on it. 
um, and the franchise continued. But I just feel like if you don't go into it knowing what you're getting into, I could see how you could be terribly disappointed. But if you go into it thinking this is a total change in direction and it's really more focus on the comedy. Toby Hooper says, whatever, the first one had a lot of dark comedy in it too. People were just so shocked they overlooked it. Didn't notice it, it. yeah. Right, um, which I, I can see. I mean, Franklin was clearly a you know comedic character. We didn't even mention that Franklin's skeleton shows up and, so that Dennis <laughs> Hopper can have a little sentimental moment with this skeleton. Um, but, you know, for what it is, that's that's not to say that it's a cinematic masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but for what it is, I thought it was funny. There were parts of it that were scary. The gore effects were good. The makeup was good. The set pieces were fun to look at. Since you gave it a thumbs down, I will go ahead just to be contrary and, and give it a thumbs up. <laughs> uh, I, I I would recommend it to horror fans. Sure. it's It's worth watching, but it's probably not in my opinion not worth a second watch it just it's just like to Fair me enough. it's just emblematic of the fact that you can have all of these separate elements that work so well by themselves but when they come together they just don't click Yep, I think that's fair. Well, anyway, thank you for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this one, please share it with a friend. Anywhere you can find podcasts, we are there. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a page there. Finally, we have a website as well, twoguys.red40net.com, where we put up written movie reviews every Thursday to supplement our terrible, horrible podcast episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Until next week, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw. (laughs) 